Good morning again, everybody. Again, welcome to all of you online. If I don't know you, my name's Brandon, one of the pastors around here, and I'm so glad that you're here with us uh, on this Sunday. Grab your note sheet out of your worship guide uh, for today's message. Uh, we begin a brand new series today. If you're a digital note taker, you've got the app. It's on the app as well. Online, you have all that available to you. And I want to just tell you a few things while you get that uh, ready. One is I want to celebrate last Sunday and Monday between Sunday at church and Monday night at She. This place was packed, standing room only with ladies uh, just celebrating Jesus at She last week. And 16 people said yes to Jesus last weekend at Cultivate Church. Come on, that's huge. There were actually more Connect cards filled out with decisions than that, but some of you double-dipping, so we only count you once. I just want you to know, but that's okay. And it's incredible. That is something to celebrate. Uh, also, we're leading into Easter, and people will show up to church on Easter that will not show up to church any other time of the year, even if it's just to buy a new outfit and have somewhere to wear it. It's an excuse to shop, ladies, and that's okay. And so I want you to invite, invite, invite. Some of you have been thinking about buying a minivan. It's time to pull the trigger on the minivan. That way you can just go and roll through the neighborhood, swing the door open and say, hey, come on, get in. We're going to church. It's Easter. That's fine. Uh, ask permission later. Just squeeze them in there. It doesn't matter. We'll cover all that after the day, all right? But Easter's coming up. I'm excited about that. Beginning Easter morning here at the Alabaster campus, we will begin 9 10.15 and 11.30 a.m. worship times, and we will hold on to the 11.30 a.m. for until Jesus comes back, all right? Uh, because here's what we know. Uh, it gets a little uncomfortable in here at 10.15. Uh, there's not a whole lot of room for you to slide in at 9 a.m., so we want to make more room for more people to say yes to Jesus. Some of you, I could just tell you, and let's just talk about it, you'd probably be more suited for the 11.30. I see some of you, how you come in here, Looks like it was a challenge, you know. Like some of you get here at 1015, you were trying to get here at 9, but it just didn't work. And so 1015 was the next best option. So uh, now you got another shot, 1130. So when the kids like spill it all over the shirt and you change 15 times, you go, well, we, at least we can make the 1130, okay. Uh, football season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, you sit up late, watch the game, you travel. You can still be here at 11:30, so it's absolutely incredible. Somebody said, "Well, Sunday's my sleep-in day." Well, you know what? We have church late, so sleep in and then come on. They're like, "Okay," you know what I'm saying? Whatever we got to do to get people to church. So I'm excited about it. We're going to get people to Jesus today. We begin a brand new series, and the series is called "If You Know, You Know." Anybody ever heard that before? If you know, you know. Anybody ever use the hashtag? Hashtag, if you know, you know, I-Y-K-Y-K, -Y -K, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's an inclusive thing. If you know, you know, oftentimes you're standing in a group of people, you look past the person standing in front of you, around somebody, you exclude them to go, well, if you know, you know. Like, well, if you were there, you understand. And the other person's like, I wasn't there. I don't know. Nobody invited me. I'd like to know. And you just stand there weird. Like, I'm usually that person. I'm on the outside going, I'd like to know. I don't know what happened. You know, somebody asked me something. I'm like, I know nothing. Nobody tells me anything. So I never know. 
it's an exclusive thing to people who weren't there. And so we like to use this because we like to know that we were on the inside or we experienced something that nobody else knows about. Some of you used that a little bit too much back in the day. You know, it's like uh, on a Saturday, hey, if you know, you know. Somebody's like, I don't remember. Can you fill me back in? Because you know what I'm saying? That was your pre-Jesus days, you know what I'm talking about? And so because of this exclusion and the popularity of feeling like that we're in on something that other people are left out on, we have this thing called FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO is? Yep, some of you don't. You're like, I'm of a different generation. I don't know what you're talking about. The fear of missing out. Because people have wanted to be a part of this inclusive yet excluding some, we want to be a part of something on the inside and we want to know and we want to feel important, we want to use the hashtag, well what we've done is we've created this culture where some people now have this fear of missing out and not being a part of it. And here's my fear as us as believers is that we have had this life-changing, eternally shifting, momentous occasion in our life with Jesus that has changed it all. And yet we're keeping it inclusive. We say, well, if you know, you know. If we go to church together, we can talk about it. If we have small group together, we can talk about it. But I really don't want to bring it up at work. I really don't want those people to know about it. I don't want them to ask me questions about it. And my fear is that our faith has become inclusive in our safe spaces like a Sunday. But it's exclusive in all the places that it should actually be. And Jesus tells us something in Matthew chapter 5. It's our key verse of scripture at the top of your outline. And here's what it says. It says, you, underline the word you, because that's important. It's personal. It's not someone else. It's every one of us who would say we are Christ followers. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And my fear that as we come to know Jesus, we should be this bright light in this dark world. And we live in a dark world. We live in a world of division. We live in a world of anxiety and depression and addiction and brokenness. We live in a dark world. And Jesus says, it just so happens that you, not the professional, not the person over there, not the church building, but you as an individual, because you are the church, you're the light of the world. So when you go into those dark places, you have a responsibility not to exclude And not to live your faith in secret and just go, well, if you know, you know. But no, to bring it to everyone that's around you. So I titled your message today, FYI, for your information, Jesus has changed my life. This experience with Christ has changed me, and it's for your information so that you would know. And so all month long in this series, we're going to break down week to week How do we become the light of the world? How do we take this faith public? Next week, we're going to discover how to reach the people in our life, the circle. We're going to get very specific about how we actually put this into practice with people that surround us. In week three, we're going to talk about ways that we do that in sharing Jesus, equipping ourselves 
in ways that we can do it. And then in week four, we're going to talk about how we live out a representation of Christ. So every week, we're going to build on being people that live life on purpose and make Jesus famous in the lives of other people. Because as a matter of fact, we're here to build eternity. That's why we're still walking and living on this planet. Today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. If you've got your Bible, you want to turn there. And we're going to talk about Paul giving us basically a very simple way for people to receive Jesus. We're going to talk about the process of just taking what God's done, giving it to somebody else, and today's the foundation. Today is to motivate us. Quite frankly, it's to convict us. It's to encourage us to go and to do what God has called us to do. Now, I recognize there are two groups of us probably categorically in this room and online there's those of us who follow Jesus that would say we're Christ followers and that our lives have been changed by Christ. So today, I hope that we're convicted if we're not doing what God's called us to do, and I hope that we're equipped to do it. And then secondly, I recognize that there are some people that you're like, I don't even, I don't even I, I'm not a Christian, so I'm excluded in this. Well, the reality is these principles that we'll talk about today will actually confront you with the reality that you don't follow Christ. And it would just simply ask you, why not? And my hope for you is, is that by the end of our time together, you would go, man, I'm missing out. And I need to engage in this very thing, this life change, this potential that Jesus brings to all of our lives. And so today, we're going to take this journey, begin it together. And it's my prayer that this week we leave out of this room and we're taking Jesus to everyone that's around us. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in. God, we love you. Thank you. For everyone gathered in this room, everyone gathered in Columbiana, thank you for everyone who gathered at 9 a.m. across both campuses and all of our friends online right now. God, it is my prayer that today, God, that we see the perspective of living life on purpose that you do. God, that we recognize the responsibility that we have to carry what's happened to us and what we've experienced, that we carry to other people. This is not to be exclusive. God, to exclude people from God, what we've experienced, but God, we want to include them. Today, teach us, motivate us, encourage us, convict us to do this and to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So how, why, how do we get to this place? How do you know if you're a believer following Christ, doing what he's called us to do, and letting your light shine? Number one, write this down, is you need to know your passion. This light that Jesus talks about, if we're going to let it shine, you need to know your passion. Any Sunday school kids in here? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Y'all remember that? Some of you have no idea. If you grew up in Sunday school at any point, you sang, this little light of mine. Uh, I, I, I said something to our kids minister the day. I, I asked my seven-year-olds, hey, man, you know this little light of mine? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. I was like, yeah, we've gotten a little too advanced. Let's back it up, old school. We're going to go get one of those boards where, like, you got the water and you put Jesus' little felt board and stick him up there on the water. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to go old school. And then when Peter starts to sink, we drag him down, you know, on the little felt board, get him under the water. We're going to kick it back, all right? If you're going to let your light shine, you need to know what your passion is. Everyone in this room, we all have a passion in our life. Many of you can't define your passion. If I were to ask you what you're passionate about, you'd probably go, I don't know. I just get up every day, go to work, hope I can come home, pay the bills, you know what I'm saying? And we just do that every day. And then one day we realize life's gone by really quickly. And we don't know what happened to the time. And we don't know what we did with our life. And then we're taken back going, if I could just go back and do it over. Because we don't take the time to realize what our passions are. Well, when it comes to carrying Jesus to people around you, it has to be your passion 
or it will not happen. Paul begins in Romans 10. And Romans 10 is this beautiful just presentation of the Gospels, really what it is. He's just sharing with people about their opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. But the way he starts it, I think, changes everything, which is why I want to introduce it to us in this series today. And he says this on your outline. He says, brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart. I think you ought to underline that statement because that's important. He says, hey, everybody, the longing of my heart or the passion of my life, the greatest desire, what wakes me up in the morning, what motivates me to get through the day is that my prayer to God that the people of Israel would be saved. The longing of my heart, the motivation of my life is that somebody would be saved. Now, he has experienced this because he's experienced Jesus. If you know this man's journey He actually tormented people. He put them to death. He put them in jail for following Jesus. And when he met Jesus and his life was changed, suddenly his passions began to change. And that became the motivation of his life. Many of us, when we met Jesus and we experienced this life change, we had this high for a moment. We're like, wow, I can't believe this. This is so amazing. And then you know what happens? Life still goes on. And then Monday happens and Tuesday happens and suddenly you forget the passion that you had when you met Jesus. It's like some of you have been married for a minute. And you remember the wedding day, Prince Charming, you're the princess. He's never looked so good. She was so beautiful. And then 10 years later, it's Shrek. You know what I'm saying? You wake up, you look over. (sighs) You know what I'm saying? Some of you there, we got counseling for that. You forget the passion. Some of you working at a job, man, day one, you whistled into work. This is great. I've prayed for this. Always wanted this job. And now you wake up and you go, it's Monday. Do I have to go? You beat your head on the steering wheel a few times before you walk in. You've got it timed to the last second. You know how late you can be before you get in trouble. We just forget. We forget our passion. My fear is that some of us have met Jesus, and we had this, this is the most incredible thing, and then life happened, and we've forgotten about it. And when you think about your passions, you think about, I mean, where you spend your time. That's what you're passionate about. You go to work, you do what you have to do, and then you'll go do something that you want to do even when you're exhausted and don't feel like doing it, because you're passionate about it. Some of you spend more money than you have. Some of you driving some really nice vehicles. You can't afford that thing. But boy, they told you they'd finance it for 10 years, and you said, sign me up. (laughs) Fishing in some real nice boats. Got some real nice rental properties, you know what I'm saying? We can't afford it, but we had to have it. Why? Because we're passionate about it. We're fired up about it. So we would do whatever it takes in order to make it a reality in our life. Some of us, ladies, it's been a bad day. I don't have any money, and I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> Nowadays, that means you're going to go home, get in your pajamas, get on the couch, and scroll Amazon. <laughs> and then you wait like a puppy in the window, waiting for the Amazon truck to arrive. <laughs> but you know what's so sad about it? When they drop that box, and you rip it open, you take it out, you set it down, the feeling's gone. You have to start all over again. When we begin to treat our relationship with Jesus this way, It becomes passive and not passionate. 
And unless we're passionate about people experiencing what we've experienced, we will never share it in the lives of other people. When we planted this church, one of the things that we had to define was who we were. There's churches everywhere. So why this church? And so our mission, we said, if we can develop three things, we feel like we would win. And we wanted to develop in the lives of people a passion for God. We wanted to be people who were passionate about God. Not about building a name, not about building a logo, not about building earthly personalities or platforms, but a passion for God. A place where people get fired up about the goodness and the life-changing grace and ability to set us free. I mean, everything that God does, we wanted to be passionate about God. And you know what God's passionate about? God's passionate about people. Some of us like to run from people, but God's passionate about people. So you know what we got to get passionate about? People. And at this church, whosoever will people, all people from everywhere, every experience. I don't care if you came on a plane, a train, an automobile. I don't care if you like green eggs and ham or if you don't like green eggs and ham. I don't care if you come in depressed. I don't care if you come in set free. I don't care if you come in in addiction. I don't care if you come in in divorce. God loves his children. So whosoever will, let them come because we're passionate about a God who's passionate about people. So we should have a shared passion for people. And the only way we'll reach those people is if we're passionate about our purpose. Because we've all been given a part to play in introducing people to Jesus. Everything behind us as a church is based on our passion. Now in your life, so what does that mean? Some of you are passionate about sports. I don't know why we're so crazy about sports in our culture, but we are. It's like six hours to watch a 20-minute game. You know what I'm saying? That ought to be an indication to us. Something's wrong. You know what I mean? You're watching a whole lot of sitting around. Throw the ball, catch the ball, fall down, stand up, do it again. You know what I'm saying? It takes 10 minutes to get them guys lined back up. Let's get on with it. You know what I'm saying? If it all happened in about an hour, I might be there with you. I mean, that's fast pace. We hit each other, knock down, hit each other again. Like, I'm good with that. I'm not telling you not to be passionate about that. You know, it's okay if you're passionate about that. I mean, sure, some of you are a little too overboard. You think if you don't wash your socks, somebody wash them socks that you wash the game in like they're going to lose, you have nothing to do with it. They don't know you exist. You didn't even go to the school. They don't care. But you're passionate about it anyway. You know what you ought to do? If you're going to watch the game, you ought to invite everybody over to the game. To your house. And you know what you ought to do? Just go, hey guys, it's been a crazy week. I know some of you are struggling in your marriages. I know some of us are having a hard time at work. Hey, before we watch the game, y'all want to pray together? Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. And I know this may seem weird to you guys, but man, God is really, uh, he, he's just, I, I can't explain it. God's changed my life, and I want to pray for you. They'd be like, I mean, I guess. They don't know if they should take their hat off. They don't know if they bow. Like, they don't know what they're doing. But you're like, it's cool. And just pray. What if when you go to the ball field with your kids, instead of yelling at the officials, parents, stay off the field. Just sit in the stands. They're two. What if you talked about Jesus? What if you just found a way to insert it in your life? When you hear all them complaining parents, you go, you know what? I used to complain a whole lot too. But you know what? I got saved, changed everything. They're like, for real? I need some of that Jesus too. If it works, I'll do it. The point being, take what God's give you. 
And then just insert your passion for Christ into it. Because Paul said, I, I pray. I'm here, passionate that somebody, the longing in my heart is that somebody would meet Jesus. So I want you to sincerely ask yourself in your private time of devotion this week, what is the longing of your heart? What fires you up? And if it's not Jesus, why? If you've experienced it, why not? The second thing you need to know is you need to know your part. And this is important, especially for those of us who follow Jesus. Because your passion should put you into action. Here's what Paul says. He says, and it's a beautiful scripture. For everyone, there it is again, for everybody, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. Man, great news. But, see, that's, that's where it gets real, right? Oh, that's great. No, but we got to get real. But how? Underline the word how. Notice how many times he asks this question, how? How will they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So you got to call on the name of the Lord. you got to believe in Jesus. Well, how do they do it? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? That's a good question, isn't it? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Well, good news, everybody. Today is your sending day. We're all being sent. That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The difference between heaven and hell, eternity, is Jesus. And Jesus is available to everybody. But the reality that Paul is giving us is that everybody does not know. And the reason that everyone does not know is because you and I have failed to tell them. Our passion has to lead us to a place where we're willing to do our part. Listen to me. As the church as a whole in our culture today, we miss it. We're missing it. 64% of people, of Christians, prayed for the salvation of a friend or family member. And that's awesome. Never stop praying for them. But if all we're doing is praying, we're missing something. We're missing a piece to the puzzle. 64% of people say, yeah, I pray for my friends and family that they would meet Jesus. But only 62%. Think about it. 64, we're praying. 62% of them go, but we've never personally shared our story but who we're praying for. Think about it. I'm praying that somebody would help my friend, but that's all I'm willing to give them. I'll pray for you. Somebody's like, hey, man, I need a ride across the street. I'll pray you get a ride, and you get in your car and you drive away. Thanks. That's great. Your kids, mom, I'm hungry. I'll pray for you. You go in there and fix you a sandwich. Prayer's great. But there's another level to it. Paul's saying, you got to put a little action to it. So, we're not inviting people. We're praying for people. We're not sharing Christ with people. 70% of people said, I've never shared the gospel with somebody I don't know. 70% of us just look at people unconcerned about where they'll spend eternity. 
I don't know why we're afraid to do it. 66% said they don't even know how to share. I don't know what to say. Rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. I'm lost. Somebody caught me after church after 9 a.m. They said, this is the best way I've ever heard it said, and it made, made sense to me. They said, you got grandkids? Anybody got grandkids in here? You ever talk about your grandkids? Grandparents, y'all, man, maybe I'll understand one day. But you're like, when you have grandkids, then you'll realize you didn't really like your own kids, and then you enjoy your grandkids. And it's like, I'm offended. <laughs> Parents, you got, you got kids? Nobody, you talk about them kids all the time. They're not even that cute. I'm just kidding. They're cute. <laughs> Did anybody have to teach you how to talk about your grandkids? You've never been a grandparent. Nobody had to teach you to talk about your grandkids. Never been a parent. Nobody had to teach you how to talk about your own kids. You've never played a sport in your life. Nobody had to teach you how to talk about sports. So why is there a disconnect that we've experienced Jesus and we go, I don't know how to talk about it? Why are we sitting in fear going, I don't know what to do with my hands? It ought to be a natural overflow. If you're passionate about something, you'll talk about it. Of the easiest things we can do, everybody, only 52% of Christians said they've ever invited somebody to church. This is the easiest thing you could do. I don't know what to do. Jesus is good, and I like my church. Will you come? How do you mess that up? It's one hour. We start on time, and we end on time. Before you get super religious and go, well, you take the Holy Spirit out of it. No, it's what God told us to do. Because you may like church as a Christian, but your non-Christian friends do not like it. They don't want to sing 15 songs. They don't want a one-hour message. But you know what they'll do? They'll give it one hour. And they'll say, that wasn't so bad. And they'll go, wow, they actually ended when they said they would. They didn't lie. Maybe these are people of integrity. Maybe I could do that one more time. And you know what happened? We won. We won. This is the easiest thing. So why are we not at least doing this? If we believe in eternity. Jesus said you are the light of the world. Jesus said you will go and make disciples. Jesus told us to do it. We have a part. It's not the responsibility of the professionals. It's not the responsibility of the building. We are the church everywhere we go. I'm the church tomorrow everywhere I go. You're the church tomorrow everywhere you go. It doesn't have to be me. They don't want to talk to me. They want to talk to you. They don't want a Bible story. They don't want to know scriptures from you. They don't care. Here's what they want to know. This is where I was. This is what Jesus has done. And this is where I am today. And he can do the same thing for you. And we should be so passionate that every time they see us coming, they're going to go, oh gosh, they're going to talk about Jesus one more time. But let's just say you're intimidated. You don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed in fear. Well, good news. Number three, you got to know a plan. Know your plan. Let me help you right quick. Here's what Paul says. Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So let me just tell you this. The gospel literally means good news. So first thing you do in your life, stop complaining about everything. Tomorrow's Monday. You're going to work. And you're going to go to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And you know what's going to happen? The next Monday, you're going back to work. And you're going to do it forever. So just get happy about it. When somebody asks you how you're doing, stop. stop. 
Everybody's tired. You don't work any harder than anybody else. You're just tired of being tired. In other words, Jesus shared good news. Christians, share some good news. But verse 18, he asks an important question. He said, but I ask this question. Have the people of Israel actually heard the message? It is my passion. It's my greatest longing in my heart that the people of Israel would be saved. But I have to be real and ask myself, have the people really heard it? Or do I just think they have? Did I wait on somebody else to do it? Or am I doing it? So let me give you some simple ways. Very easy. This is just my lifestyle. It's the way I think I live, try to live my life. The first thing you do is you say it. Use your words. Words matter. The Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. It shapes an environment. Stop being so negative in the way we talk. Because your words have weight to it. But if you don't believe, I mean, I say this all the time. You, you just tell, <laughs> I mean, you just tell somebody like with a newborn baby, that's an unfortunate child. <laughs> and just, I mean, right then, you'll know quickly those words matter. You ever said something to your spouse and you went, oh, that was wrong, wasn't it? And the only way you knew it is because the look on their face. And it was the words that initiated that response. Because your words, they matter. We complain about so much. My little seven-year-old, got them seven-year-old complaints, you know. How's your day, buddy? Oh, Dad. <laughs> we were downtown one day. We drove by Children's Hospital. And I stopped. I said, buddy, do you see that building right there? He said, yeah, Dad. I said, buddy, that building is full of sick children. They didn't do anything wrong. I said, and they have families that are praying and desperate for their kids to feel good. I said, buddy, everything that we complain about, it's so minimal. So we have to be careful when we say, Oh, it was a bad day, Dad. No, buddy. On your worst day, it was a great day. It's perspective. You had a Mars Monday, but you got a job to go to. It may not be the job you want, but hey, we live in a free market society. Go get a new job. Dude, don't quit first. Get a job and then quit. I don't know everybody's like, I just quit, walked out. Well, good for you. Are you going to pay your bills? I don't know. Say it. Use your words. Show it. Show it. Show it to somebody. Wow. Be generous. Generosity changes things. Like, show it. Come on, when 99% when of people won't put their buggy back, you go put their buggy back. Walk up to somebody. When they got that buggy, say, hey, can I take that back for you? Now, that lady's going to take that purse and she's going to grab it. You're going to see her hand. She's going to reach for that purse real quick. And if she says yes, she may just kind of push the buggy over to you. That's okay. When you see somebody put their buggy back, say, excuse me. I noticed that you're putting your buggy back. And then they'll grab the purse. And they're like, yeah, why? And you just say, well, you know what? All of these other people, they're all selfish. But you, ma'am, sir, 
you won the day. You did what 99% of other people wouldn't do. And I just want to tell you, I saw it. I do that. And can I tell you, people look at me like I'm about to get robbed. (laughs) But you know when they still leave with their purse, they're like, wow, somebody noticed. It doesn't take much. My son, one day for school, uh, I love our schools, uh, they have a lot of needs, and, um, and they sell lots of things, and you send lots of money, and, but it's great, it's great. And uh, it was like Kona Ice Day, why can't they just learn, God, we didn't have no Kona Ice when I was in school, um, but we sent school with some Kona Ice money, and he said, Dad, he said, I want to take some in case somebody else doesn't have money for Kona Ice. I was like, just take my wallet, buddy proud now the day is I mean we're really good parents we're probably really we set the bar we're the best it was um it was book fair and uh and we forgot and so my sons at book fair like and his teacher said hey you can go get a book she bought him a book he come on he said dad she didn't have to do that she bought me this book she didn't have to do it he was so pumped about it. And so I sent a message to his teacher, said, thank you. I put the money for the book in his book bag. And I said, thank you for doing that. I said, we just forgot. And we did the makeup day. And I said, you can take this and pay yourself back. I said, or pay it forward to another kid or whatever. And she messaged back and she said, I'm not going to take that little boy's money. He bought a kid a snow cone on snow cone day. He said, Dad, she wouldn't take the money because I bought a kid a snow cone. You will never outgive God. You do not know what little act of generosity in showing it is doing for other people. The little things matter. Say it, show it. Number three, serve it. Serve people. Serve them. Serve somebody. It makes a difference. Here's my challenge for us today. We leave out of this place, beginning this journey of doing what God's called us to do. Will you bow your head, close your eyes. Our band's going to come back, and I'm going to pray for us. And I just want to take just a moment and pray two things over us. Online, in this room, one, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. And two, if you're following Jesus... That today we would actually follow Jesus by doing what he called us to do. You can pray for an opportunity and you can participate in it when he sends it. It's that simple. He'll open a door for all of us this week if we're available to do it. So God, right now I pray for every one of us in this room and online, any of us without a personal relationship with you. Today, Jesus, we confess we need you. We ask you to forgive us of any sin that's in our life that separates us and you. We want a relationship with you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Today we choose to make you number one in our life. And God, I pray for all of us as believers, those of us who carry the name of Christ that we carried out of this place and we share it with the lives of other people. Eternity is real. And God, you've called us to do it. So for your information, we take this to everybody. This is not just something for us to know on the inside, but it's for us to share. God, thank you for the clarity of your word, for challenging us today. 
May we walk it out, live it with every fiber of our being so that people get to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate Jesus together? Come on, he is so good. Hey, if you said yes to Jesus, will you please let us know by putting it on that Connect card? Uh, we want to be able to pray for you, and we want to be able to give you next steps. Hey, here's where to go from here. Uh, so the only way we know about that decision, that we can pray for you, and we can equip you with next steps, is by putting it on that Connect card. So please let us know about your decision today, all right? Hey, before we go, just really quickly, we're going to take a moment for a time of giving. If you're our guest today, this is not for you. But those of us who call Cultivate Home, uh, whether we're here or online, we take a moment every week to honor God with our giving. And let me tell you, the, the principle of blessing and stewardship and obedience to God in this area is the same. The Bible literally teaches us that what we hold on to is all we've got. But when we let our hands go, we give it to God. And we bless other people with it. God blesses us in return. Just like I look at my son and say, man, if you're going to be generous, I'll, 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 I'll supply that hand. You keep being generous. Because I wanted to be a generous person. And God looks at us the same way. Like If they're going to do that, and they're going to be a blessing to other people, I'm going to take care of you. And look, I, I, especially when it comes to like giving and finances and stuff, don't do it or try it because we said it. You do it because God said it. And you hold God at His word. Because God's faithful. God's true. Look, people mess it up. But people are people. But God never, never goes back on what he says in his word. And he will be faithful to you in that area of your life. And in every area, but even in your finances, when you're faithful to him. So just test it and see that God's not true in what he says, all right? Will you stand with me? Let me pray a prayer of blessing over us before we go today. Father, I love you. Thank you for this beautiful day, a chance to gather. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for life change. Thank you that you blessed us so we can be a blessing to others. God, may we always steward well what you've given to us so we can be a blessing to other people. God, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and tell somebody about Jesus. Have a great week.